welcome to episode 15 of Don't Mess With the Metro. Joined here today by the usual gang, Dan, nice to see you. Andy, same to you. Matt, nice to see you as well. What's uh, up? Hope uh, everybody had a uh, fabulous 4th of July weekend over this past these past several days. It's been all right, you know, just trying to do my best. Uh, baseball's back, giving me something else to do that's not playing the show, you know. Uh, I did pass phase one. I passed Excel out of uh, MBA math. Four more subjects to go. I'm scared of finance. Don't want to do accounting. I'm probably going to do stats next because that's the one that I'm most comfortable with. But, yeah, that's pretty much it. Sometimes I, wonder, sometimes I wonder how I uh, am standing in my concentration, too. So you, you're not the only person to think of that. <laughs> not the slightest. <laughs> I try my best. Don't worry about it. Oh, shoot. Grad school talk? All right, back to drinking. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, I still need to grab a beer. That's a spirit. Oh, actually. Didn't you, didn't you, like, yeah, what's uh, happening here? No, because I only had to go another two weeks. That was, that was well past. Uh, that was two months. No, it wasn't two months. I went two months already. The well, it was the 60 day. He didn't get, he didn't get the memo. He didn't get the memo. Ugh, I made it 60 days and I'm getting flamed over here for not going 60. Oh, you made it 60 days. Yeah, I made I thought, this 60. Oh, I thought, I, it was, I thought it was another two months. No, Andy's the one no. who thought I was going to no. break it after 30. No. All right, well, that's because let's, I didn't realize places would be closed this long. All right. Yeah, I mean, not being able to go to bars. Like, that's that's that is true. That is very, very true. But here's the here's a little dilemma. So we got a bachelor party tomorrow. We're going to Mohegan. So one, I guess if we're going to might as well get into the betting spirit. How much am I going to lose? We'll set the over under at 500. I'm bringing seven with me. Oh, God. And um, how much will I be drinking per night and overall? I'll let you guys set the over under on that one. But put it up for debate. Wait, so how many? So there's. Two over unders we got going here. How much you lose and how much you drink? Yeah, pretty much. And they're, pro- they're ah, are they mutually exclusive? Matt, I'll, I'll defer that one to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, there's a very Andy strong coefficient there. Well, here's the thing: is that you could either, I could definitely see you losing all your money gambling and then not being having any to spend on drinks. But then see, on the flip why side, I bring two thirties with me though. You could just go deeper into debt. By drowning your sorrows away with drinks. I think I'm going to take the long answer here. I think what's going to happen is you're going to find, you're going to get down a little early and then you're going to go on a little hot streak and you're just going to get too confident, lose it all. I'm going to go, I'm going to go over, I'm going to set that under, over under at 450 on how much you'll lose. I think I'm going to go just over. I think you'll go cut out at 500. I think 500 is a safe play. And on drinks, I mean, I think you could probably just drink the bar out. It could go either way. I mean, I don't plan on being sober for any minute of that. Yeah, I mean, it's a bachelor party. Come on. Now, I know this is a dumb question, but when Actually, you say... if you know how much you lost, you weren't drunk enough. Let's just be honest. That's also true. Good point. Question is, are you going to pregame this? Because if you pregame it, that's a whole other question. That's a whole other scenario. You could just go hard at the pregame, then lose your money and 
keep blitzing your way through. Let me let me answer that question for you real quick with a I think with a question that you can answer. Is Garrett Cole a New York Yankee? <laughs> All right. That's the, that's the kind of response I want. <laughs> Dan's not gonna be able to even make it to the um Oh, what was I going to say? He's not even going to be able to walk up to the bar for a drink. He's just going to have to plop his ass down at one of the tables. I mean, I've walked, I mean, I've walked around the casinos before because I've been to the arena before. So I guess I could show, I guess I could direct him somehow, some way. Take two steps to your left. <laughs> yeah. And this also might be a stupid question, but when you say lose, when you say lose $500, that is obviously not including your beer, your alcohol, correct? No, because I'm so what we did is we got two thirties and then uh, my buddy who's one of my best friends who's getting married. He loves uh, Lord Hobo Brewing. So I got him some boom sauce IPAs. So I have three, four packs of that and then also a 12 pack of Lord Hobo's variety pack. So we're going to have 84 beers to split amongst a total of five, five guys, potentially six plus three handles. I was just gonna say, there's no way you're going beer only on this. What's trip. the over? And what's the over under on your uh, alcohol here? Will I even be sober? I think the over under should be how long it takes for him to not be able to text. I think yeah, once I got you the get over under on uh, three point five times you puke. <laughs> well, I mean, if there's no neighbor's bushes, then what do I do? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, come on. It's a, it, there's gotta be bushes somewhere. <laughs> Even if it's like they have the sea. They, they have, Mohican Sun has indoor plants based off there of my actual go. vision from being there. All right, so what you're there saying you is uh, the over under on plants that are dying? Is that the question, Matt? Yeah. I think exactly. I'll set it on two and a half. I'll go. That's way too over. So we're, okay, so we're really making this. Well, on the problem is you could go. You could just keep going at the same plant. Be like, oh, that one's already ruined. <laughs> Also true. Also true. Andy did that. That is true. So not my so, science moment, but how many are? Well, so yeah. let's re- let's relay the foundations here. The, our over unders is on how much you lose and then how many plants you kill. Yes. Yeah, plants I kill or how many texts it takes for me to not be able to be coherent. I mean, I'll leave it up to you guys. You know, well, it's a how point. Many, yeah, you guys set your own lines. How many texts it takes for you to not be coherent? Or did you set your own lines? So at what time can he not send the text? You know, a dark horse here is at what time does Dan fight with his girlfriend about being too drunk? All right. All right. Hold Oof. on. Hold on. Oh, from the top rope. Yeah, it's that was disrespectful. <laughs> but the thing is, he's not wrong. He's <laughs> a very good point. You know, I don't... <laughs> no, none of us are saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that. <laughs> For example, let me let me put it this way. So, two nights ago, I was, you know, just casually minding my own business and get a text saying that your delivery's coming. And it turns out that there's a bottle of wine that she had sent me because I said, oh yeah, I found some shitty wine for my old roommates that were moving out. So, she said that she didn't want me to drink the shitty wine, so I didn't drink the shitty wine, you know, being nice. And then she sent me that wine. Naturally, you have to finish it. Like, once you open, you don't want to have to re-refrigerate it. Am I wrong? Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. So yeah. I paced myself. It was like 5.30. At around like 11, add in four more beers. That's eight, nine drinks in total. It was one of the smaller bottles of wine. So you figure that's, what, 
two drinks an hour. It's not too bad, right? No. No, no. Yeah, you're in a safe. Especially for you. Yeah. No, okay, thanks. But uh, <laughs> somebody <laughs> got mad at me and said that I am right on track to to being over the limit for what it should be for the week. And I'm like, listen, if it, if you didn't buy the uh, the bottle of wine, then who knows if I'm even in this spot right now. Yeah, that's true. And we had a little bit of a... And discussion. Discussion. but it's okay. I mean, really, it could, she could have really just set you up as a trap. It's just like she set that up and true. wanted to see. I never thought it. Maybe she was. It was 100% a trap. Yeah. I mean, once she got mad. You've been duped. You've been well, bamboozled. I was bamboozled. Well, whatever your overs and unders are, I'm going to have to slam the over. I'm going to have to slam the over on losing $500. And I will tap the under on whatever your second over under just might end up being. Oh, so only losers play the under. Yeah. Let us at the under. You gotta do what you gotta do, gentlemen. Have you put your slots in for this at all? Well, also speaking of gambling and heading over to uh, our fellows up north, do we think that uh, Vancouver could? Uh, how do I put this? Could provide some inspiration for a young fellow who's going to be in Connecticut. I mean, I think you should just Instagram DM the Sedines and just ask them for any advice. Or... But the yeah, thing is, if, if they have any underground, they're not going to admit to it because that could be them, you know, being set up for a trap and they get bamboozled. And next thing you know, the whole ring is busted. And then the refs that are out in Edmonton are going to be hit for betting on games that's going to be like funded by McDavid or something. <laughs> I mean, well, no, no, no. Hear me out. You're gonna go to Mohegan Sun, and you are going to, and you are going to see them there. I don't know. They might be deep in the quarantine. Or they, the ring is definitely like quarantined somewhere. Who yeah. knows? Maybe coronavirus Wait, never, or just a cover. You never know. You, you see, with this under undercover stuff, you just never know what pops up. Yeah. Did true. the Sedines cause coronavirus? My column. <laughs> <laughs> We got off the rails. Now. Oh, my bad, guys. <laughs> I mean, hey, hey, that's well. Before, well, before we move on, before we move on, we need to. Hey, before we move on, you posed a question. I gave my over under. Andy, Matt, what are your? I guess what are your inserts for this? I I said the I said the betting the under is never a fun way to live. So I'm going right, so, over and over. Okay, I got you over over. Andy. Yeah, I'm taking the over also on both. Knowing over, Dan in the last couple of years, yep, that's the over. Over, over, <laughs> under, under. I don't think some of you guys got to answer this question, but did y'all have a fabulous weekend celebrating the birth of our nation? Nothing like a little America. It's a fantastic day outside on on the lake, too. It's the perfect perfect temperature as well. Really? Gentlemen, I must say, it felt like a gift from God. So You grab a claw and you make the law. Right, well, some of us drank actual beer, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> just had to crack. You just had to crack another one at night for America. Yeah. Well, now that we have finished our useless rambling, and for those who listened, thank you so much. We really appreciate yeah, we your support. Like ten percent of like the entire world at that point. <laughs> if you're if you're still listening and can still hear my voice and not think like what what a fucking dj and this kid is like mad props to you i'll like send you a venmo of my winnings it's probably gonna be a request but 
<laughs> we're not the only we're not the only ones affected by quarantine just not by the slightest well moving on to some uh, actual topics we discussed today last last night news popped up that the new jersey devils hired lindy ruff as their next head coach drawing a, a lot of mostly crit, mostly critiqued from a few uh, people in the same fan base as several of y'all in here few a few takes on what might the upside about it be, but most of the stuff was uh, a lot of slander, especially considering a few of his past performances against a certain team. And we really, we just really wish this podcast had a devil's rep in here so we could, he could just want to defend his team. And then we could also shout out all of our critiques at him too. But unfortunately, we just don't have one right now. So it looks like it'll just simply be a, uh, us spitting useless nonsense at each other without it going to an actual member of the fan base that Ruff is uh, starting to coach. Well, you know, it's pretty fitting because much like the Devils fan base themselves, they are nowhere to be found. (laughs) (laughs) And it begins. And before you go on, what beer are you on? Me? Um, Let's just say I'm working my way through a six-pack and... Oh, so this is We're only good. The- let's 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 keep it rolling. Let's keep the momentum. Let's not stop this one. Let's keep going. Well, I'm just saying, I'm almost to the end of the six pack. Working my way through it and really put the work in it. So yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be something. He came prepared. That's for certain. I mean, when am I not? It's a Thursday in the summer, and yeah, definitely time for it. But yeah, this is definitely once we got the news that. Um, Ruff had been hired. I just find it hysterical that the whole hiring process involved going after uh, Gallant and Laviolette, two coaches who one made it to the uh, cup finals, literally his first year of coaching expansion team. And the other one made it to cup finals three times with three different teams and won it with one of them. And somehow that was like, Nope, we're taken the assistant coach of a team that was getting badly outshot the past couple of years. How do you even, I don't know, like just from an outside perspective, I don't understand it, but as a Ranger fan, loving it. Go ahead. Enjoy him. Devils fans. Enjoy him. I'll pull up the stats in a second about how bad he was the last decade, but for now, just enjoy this. It's going to be and, beautiful. Andy, I think you would uh, like this a lot. And, uh, in an article released by NBC Sports, they hide they highlight the good, the neutral, and then the bad. And the headline for the bad is Ugly recent results for Rough with Rangers. Don't scare off devils. Intriguing. It was an intriguing ending to that, but hmm. Yeah, I mean I think what we came to the conclusion of the winner of today was Igor Shushorkin, and the loser of today was Mackenzie Blackwood. So <laughs> I mean, do with that what you want. Yeah. No, yeah, because not only Blackwood, but also think of like all the young defensemen they have, Carrick and uh, um, Butcher, even Ty Smith. Like, yeah, the next couple of years, I, like if he, I mean, I feel bad for a kid because he shows a lot of promise, but he could either go the route like if he's exposed to him long term, it could be very much like uh, Pionk and uh, Shea, where they're like really good at college and. They had a lot of promise, and then they got ruined by that defensive scheme. Well, yeah, one, well, thing, 
add to that is if you think about what Pionk did when he left New York, you could tell you could make a reasonable argument that he was on a downward trend in New York. Am I going off on a tangent there or no? No, you're correct. No. So, and we know what Truba could do. We saw what he was able to do in Winnipeg, correct? Yep. Yeah. Do you find it ironic that all of a sudden Pionk has a bounce back here after, you know, being put into a new system and all of a sudden you have a guy who is also notably of offense in Truba not be able to succeed? Just because everybody, the main argument that I've been seeing is that Ruff is an offensive minded coach. Even if he was coaching defense, you would think that there would be some sort of offensive growth and presence throughout every defenseman. Well, see that as much. You only saw it through two guys. One who was literally on a prove it or else I'm going to be stuck in the AHL the rest of my career guy in D'Angelo and Fox, who I don't know. It's the jury's still early to tell because now he's going to actually have to learn the well, was going to have to learn rough system and probably was going to put him on a downward trend as well. Yeah, I mean, I'd give him credit where credit's due. Like, D'Andro and Fox were very, very good this year. And, but, I mean, there's just so many flaws with the guy that I just don't know how. Even if, like, the argument for he's a offensive coach, like, he coaches defense, like, that's your first priority as a defensive coach is to have literally any structure in your team. And the Rangers haven't had any for years. So also like, how can you be off like a good offensive coach? If your team is playing defense so much time because they're giving up so many shots, like this is a, the last, uh, the last three seasons, the Rangers ranked 30th, 29th and 30th in uh, shots against per game under rough. They were 30th in uh, 31 in uh, 2017 18, 29th in uh, 2018 19, and then 30th again this past season. Like anyone that saw the games was watching basically play in their own zone a good chunk of the time. Like it, it just wasn't fun. How can so how can you generate offense if you're stuck in your own in your own zone, basically protecting and like having to block shots all the time because like his schemes weren't working like it's the way in uh, Buffalo, basically Ryan Miller's game peppered by shots towards the end of uh, his time there. I mean, with the stars, at least they were like suppressing shots, but ironically enough, that was the one place where it didn't have stable goaltending because he was rolling with uh, Niemi and um, I think Letton and it was right before they got Bishop. Um, I think they might've had, no, it was just Niami and maybe Dan Ellis for a little bit. But, yeah, they were rotating goalies like crazy down there. And But when he came as an assistant coach to the Rangers, it just led to the Rangers getting absolutely destroyed on the uh, – like by shots. We were just shafted by that. So it was mad annoying, and that's why I'm so glad he's out of there. And it's hysterical to see now – the two former coaches that like really shafted the Rangers last couple of years in him and Lane Vigneault are now on rival to the Rangers. So if all things go well, cannot wait to see the Rangers like get a chance to give them comeuppance. Your, your critique of uh, Lane Vigneault seems, I mean, 
makes sense, but it's also relatively intriguing considering who one of the quali- I mean, sorry, considering one of the round robin teams is in this year's playoffs. I mean, I don't disagree with you, but I guess you you're probably banking on him not working out there long term. Well, yeah, yeah look at, I mean, like, his I, long-term prospects everywhere else. True. My critique on Vigneault would be that look at the Rangers' first year where he was at the Rangers. They literally went to the Stanley Cup final, uh, lost two games in overtime. I think they like they led more than they trailed in the series, whatever. Three games That's, in overtime. You, yeah, three you games lost in overtime, three, yeah. All three games in L.A. in overtime. L.A. beat you bad one time. And then the game that you won was just L.A. peppering you in the third period. Yeah. Somehow that the pile of snow stopped the puck with uh, Girardi flailing back there. Yeah. I just think, and then the Rangers just went downhill from there. I mean, obviously the next year they had the Zuccarello injury. That's like a game changer. But, I mean, he just relies on elite goaltenders. You saw it in Vancouver. You saw it in New York to just bail him out and he doesn't really have defensive structure but he does I think he's a good like leader but he has trouble like breaking in young talent and the Flyers are pretty much a team with that with that so we'll see like where that goes in the future but it's like uh like you said young talent also like they have a lot of depth that was really coming through from the last couple of weeks that got them to their red hot position but yeah that's why it'll be interesting to see like this was the worst possible case for them and it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. I'm almost still convinced that one of the worst things that happened to him was not being able to score a goal in the last two home games of the 2015 playoffs. Yeah, you can't blame Hank for that one. Not yeah. this. They're not the slightest. <laughs> every, if you think literally, about every, it, literally every time I'm on Twitter and I see nonsense like that, first thing that comes to my mind is, dude, your team couldn't muster in a goal. For two sh- for the last two home games of the season in the in a year that was basically designated to be your revenge tour for the year before and literally one of your best chances at claiming a cup for Hank and you fell flat on your face. What was it? Game three when Hank was out in Tampa and he had that awful game. He yeah. lost in overtime, right? Six five or something like that. Yeah, right. no, they, yeah, they they use they use that as a counter argument all the time, and okay, it's That's justified. One but one, it's coming the crunch seven. when the series is tied, and you literally have home ice advantage, and boop, nothing, zilch, noodle. I mean, Matt kind of hit the nail on the head there. It's always been about goaltending. The sport's always going to be about goaltending, and mm-hmm. even if you have a suspect defense, goaltending can get you through it. You need to be barely competent defensively in the way that the league is right now, and you're most likely a bubble team. I mean, am I wrong there? Or I mean, that's literally what the Rangers. Mean, have, that's literally yeah, what the Rangers have been like for the past 15 years, and now it's just sort of, kind of, uh, how do I say this? Getting up, getting hitting them back relatively hard these past couple of years. But now take that into account. What it, and you just kind of yeah. segued right into my point here. What are the Devils defensively at that point? <laughs> and the Devils don't have much offense either. It's not like, yeah, really. It's not like the Devils have Panarin and 
Zibanejad and D'Angelo. Who the are Devils, they had, they, they had uh, what's his name? The guy who uh, maybe won MVP who never should have been shipped out of town. Uh, Nico, he, no, it wasn't Nico. Oh, darn. Who am Taylor I thinking? No, it's the other first Does round pick. Is he have a girl's um, name? Wait, how, which first round pick was it? The one that they got, they somehow fleeced in a trade and still lost? Or the one that they just drafted first round, or first overall? Or the one that they drafted first overall a couple of years ago? Or the one that's first overall that's still on their payroll, but is now playing in the Cavs because he defected rather than continue to play for them? I keep losing track of these all. all yeah, I can't remember which one's the overall pick. I, I feel like there's something to do with the desert, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hmm. Which one is it? Oops, I wasn't supposed to say it earlier. <laughs> Either way, it's slipping my mind. If we only had a devil's rep, maybe he would have been able to tell us who it was. Yeah. Much like Isn't this the, the guy that wins devils. all the lotteries? Shoot, he might have an effect on the lottery. I think I think mm-hmm. you're right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he did pull something's kind of Yeah, something's kind of fishy considering how the lottery ended up. Uh, no, is it, isn't it Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the center? Is it, is it, uh... Oh, no, he's still in Edmonton. You sure it's not Nail Yakupov? Has he been traded for Mark Stahl yet? <laughs> no, no. Not yet. Soon, but not yet. Soon. The day will come. Wait a second. No, no, no. I, I know. It was Adam Larson. Adam Larson. That's who it was. <laughs> yeah. Was but, it him, or was it conditional first-rounder? Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> again, uh, back to, like, more real talk. We were just talking about defensively, how they are, and that's... I mean, with no offense and suspect defense, you're not going to win many games. And even if you have superstar players or superstar caliber players, um, you have to develop them. And if you don't put them in the roles or positions to succeed, they're not going to develop properly. So why is P.K. Subban just totally lost his game? Well, he's up in age. And as we all know, defensemen age quicker than anyone. Probably as much as would you say as much as goalies? They they age faster. Yeah, I mean I definitely agree. Like it makes I mean hardest to develop and then fade out the easiest. True, but yeah, it's but as far as like Subban, I'm starting to worry that like he's starting that he saw his best days because also this is someone that's like he's been injured so many times. Even when he was with Nashville and when he was with Montreal towards the end, he was starting to get hurt. Right before they uh, swapped him for Weber, it's yeah, it's not looking promising for him. Well, Which thank God shame. he doesn't make $9 million. Oh, wait. <laughs> he does make $9 million a year. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm going mean, to pull the cap numbers real quick. Because, I mean, another great segue into that team. I just don't get how a team, let's see, Devils. Well, they paid Heesher. And you know, I give him, like, I'm glad that Heesher got paid. It's just unfortunately got paid by them. I was hoping that someone would just pull the... Um, like pulled the offer sheet, yeah, just to be a complete like game changer. But unfortunately, they decided not. We're gonna go ahead and sign him. All right, so here's what I got on him. So we could say that this upcoming year for him is also a transition year, right? You would say. Yep. So, um, they're freeing up a decent chunk of money, except for PK, obviously, but. Offensively, Gusev, Palmieri, and Zajac are gone after 2021. Then they got Hayden and Brat, who are both RFAs this upcoming year. You'd assume that Brat would get a bridge deal, right? And Anderson. Joseph Anderson. Yeah, Joey Anderson's getting 
True. Yes, 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 yes. So you'd assume both of those guys would get a bridge deal, right? Probably. I feel like Anderson probably, I don't know if they're going to try and like use a longer than a bridge deal for Brad, like try and get him maybe five years just out, or six years just out the fact that like he would be more stability for them. And he's probably cheaper now than he would be. Yeah, exactly. They would think like some, somewhere down the road, they'd rather have him inked long-term in case for some unknown reason they become good in a couple of years. But. Yeah, or I mean, Hughes like could develop and then he could be a big chunk of change. I think the biggest thing for the Devils is they have a, they have three retained salaries. So getting that off the books is pretty good uh, from Hall, Vatnin, Simmons. So they they do have mobility. I mean, Corey Schneider, obviously paying him $6 million a year kind of hurts. They have to re-sign Blackwood, who will probably get a pretty good deal. I mean, they're projected to have $26 million cap space. And you figure if... But you just got you got to think, like, who are they adding? Like, who are they signing? They're not signing anyone in free agency. I mean, they also have three first-round picks. So, I mean, it's not that the team doesn't have... Oh, they're rebuilding. They could finesse a couple of trades because now they're going to be teams that are going to be desperate. So, I really think Paul Mary, too, at age 29, on the right side of 30, and he puts up numbers. I mean, not that he didn't go to the greatest college in the entire country or anything, but, I mean, there's clearly a correlation there. Um, I think that he has a shot. I mean, Maybe. imagine with a team like that, especially being coached by Ruff, don't you think they kind of need to fill their roles in on some experience and not because if they're super young they might just have the same results all over again yeah this is buffalo-esque to have like all this young talent and then get mismanaged to hell you know it's like lindy ruff can sort of say oh he had jamie ben and tyler sagan scoring the goals for him and then in buffalo who was scoring the goals for him jason pominville or drew stafford or yeah, Thomas Vanek. Tim Con- Tim Connolly. <laughs> yeah, if only there was a Devils rep here that could maybe put us in check from ripping on this team. Yeah, but three times. Much like Ben Simmons from three, he is nowhere to be seen. <laughs> I guess I want to pose this question then: with three first-round picks, if you're the Devils right now, who are you thinking about, or what? Where do you think you're going to go? Because, in my opinion, I know it sounds like eh. But you can get by winning two to one games in this day and age in the NHL if you have a solid defense. Do you just draft all defensemen with all three of those picks and hope that you hit on one? Because technically, if you bust on two of them, you bust on two of them, you still hit on your first round pick. And what we talked about, maybe half of the first round picks, 15 to 20 of them, 20 max, are going to be solidified like starters and I guess worth for lack of a better term, the first-round pick. But the other ones, I mean, how many of them? You have at least two a year that play maybe 10 games in their entire career, right? Yeah, I mean, I think a big portion is, like, where do the Coyotes and Canucks pick go? But, I mean, someone said it before. How do you draft three times in this draft? This is going to set up to be an all-time bust draft in terms of, like, you missed so much scouting down the stretch you're probably not going to get too many good workouts there's no way i'm taking i'm drafting three times in the first it'll probably be the first 20 picks i mean do we do does anyone think the coyotes or canucks are going to the conference final well 
Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not impossible, but I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah. So are those lottery protected? Huh? Uh, uh, coyotes are. Coyotes sure, is yeah. top three protected. And then um, Canucks is if they don't make the playoffs, but I guess this counts as the playoffs. Mm, well, no, this it's, is technically the it's play playoffs if, you're in, if you win the qualifying round. So they have to get it. All right. So really, they just have to beat Minnesota, which they have all the t- like, they have they much better talent than Minnesota, but yeah. at the same time, they are the Canucks. They cannot stress enough. They are the okay. Canucks. Okay, but there's also the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, I mean, both True. teams are kind of in that category. I don't know. I, I said I said this in an earlier episode. Give me the new fresh, give me the new fresh face Canucks or the what or the sort of. Ev- same stuff every year, Wild. I do believe in goaltending, though. So the Wild definitely do have a shot there. That, I mean, like you said, Blackwood's going to get... Well, as an RFA at 23, figure he gets a bridge deal, right? Yeah, Price. and this was his first big year, so I doubt he gets anything. So you figure he gets a bridge deal in two years. That means that Schneider's off the books when Blackwood is probably arbitration eligible as an RFA again, according to the terms of the bridge deal. I'm assuming that, though. Not 100% so. sure. So let's, I could look it up. So, if you're Yeah, look, he needs one more pro year. Yeah, so if you're looking at who they have under contract for 2022, I mean, the only one who's really there that's solidified is Nico. Because Hughes is going to be eligible as an RFA. They free up a lot of money after, tw- like, once 2022 hits. I mean... If they draft well, I could see a turnaround for this team. Like I don't like giving them credit, but from a uh, like a non-subjective or objective point of view, I don't see that. I don't. S- yeah, I think this team has a shot. Yeah, so I you, mean, do you I think mean, that in twenty-two and twenty-three they would be like spending a lot on their draft picks, basically, once uh, their entry deals are up. Yeah, because Hughes is gonna. Hughes is probably going to end up making at least 8.5, I'm assuming, right? Oh, yeah. There's 15 mil tied up between, no, roughly 16 between Nico and Hughes alone. But you're also taking away nine off of PK. Will Butcher's going to be a UFA at that point, but also right at the prime age 28. Who knows? He might pick off. Eh, I'm pick off the wrong word. He might might grow into something bigger. I mean, it's, it's a lot of question marks, but all these guys, the average age right now is 20, 24 and a half for their forwards, and that's including a 35-year-old Zajac. So it's not that the team isn't going in the right direction. It's Again, it comes down to, can Ruff develop this team properly? I mean, we're also forgetting another first overall pick that's still in the books. They're still going to have to be paying Ilya Kovalchuk. <laughs> True, but it's 250K. Which, I mean, I'll take that money in a heartbeat, but... <laughs> if stuff comes down to the wire, it might, but who knows? <laughs> My whole point is... What? Uh-oh. Oh, sh- Someone's That's... in trouble. Everything all right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's oh, just... but Dan, Dan, another point. If you were... Earlier you were saying that you could... That, like, the team could... You could probably rely on 2-1 wins if you have a good defense. Are you saying 
that that's a game plan that they should do in sort of the first year of the rebuild in order to get them to a certain part of the standings or back into the playoffs and then sort of like basically use that year as your essential like go progression upward and then sort of the next year you reevaluate and just totally change your system and basically so just I, use it as a starter i guess um a good way that i would kind of put my point is that the game is so fast now the game is so offensive top heavy uh it's a lot of skill and though i do think that the quote-unquote toughness and i know people hate talking about grit and toughness and all that especially in this day and age it's like you sneeze on a guy on the ice and all of a sudden everybody's crying for a suspension um you uh, you can find enough offense for example from a guy like michael grabner that found a way to put up how, how many goals did he put up that year before he got traded was it 20 25 goals something you could find a, a 30 goal score on a whim didn't he put up 30 as a rookie? Yeah, no, he was a good good player. Because he was a finalist, because he was a Calder finalist. Yeah, yeah I mean, put- you have, that's what I mean, like, um, it's for cheap. You could find these guys that yeah. can break out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's not impossible to do that. To find a good, solid, staple defenseman, it's a lot harder to do. It's a lot harder yeah. than finding a goalie. But then, are you going to take, are you going to use three first-round picks and a First off, it's already a bad defensive draft to start. And then you add in the fact that your scouting department doesn't have as much as these on these guys to take three defensemen in one draft. Or are you going to use – maybe you trade up and you go get um, – you're at six. You have an extra first-round pick. But maybe you go – at six, you go Sanderson, and then you trade up with the other picks to like 12, 13, and you get another guy. Or you just look at Buffalo has Montour, uh, Colorado has Zadaroff. Can they really pay him? I mean, like with the flat cap, you're looking at these teams, the Islanders, Pulak, the Rangers, D'Angelo, uh, Philadelphia, Hag, like Boston, Greslick, like even, I mean, that's like these guys, I don't know if you're going to be able to keep all these RFAs this year. Tampa this could be the, year the offer sheet. I really think that it could be. Yeah, but it could also be the year where having a first-round pick gives you the flexibility to add one of these guys. I mean, I could see a team like Columbus trying to figure out what to do. I mean, they don't have any picks in rounds, what, two, three, or four? Uh, yeah. Some, something like that. I know they have a first-rounder, but I could see them trading that first-round pick away. I'm just trying to go more Metro teams here, obviously, but it's not, it's not, it's like not impossible. Columbus says no second and third and no second this next year. Okay. So it's not impossible for them to, uh, I've been contradicting, I'm mental wrestling myself right now. This is, this is not good. I am not drinking enough to, <laughs> to be in this spot, but. Falling behind. Oh. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, I yeah, this this is this is a weird this is a weird draft, especially given the circumstances. Definitely agree with you, Matt. Um, and looking at everybody's picks now, I'm going through cap friendly. I realize I should have just gone through cap friendly from the start. Um, I'd say the Devils are in the best spot right now. Hate to say it, um, as a fan of a rival team, but. 
they're young. They have the assets. And you can't, and Matt, even though you're saying that it's a year of bust, like, yes, that is true. But with three first-round picks, you're still going for the cream of the crop. So, yeah, you're going to find more third-round gems in this upcoming draft, but look at what you what you have right now. If you have three picks in the top 20, if you're bound to hit on one of them, but if you don't hit on one of them, there is a serious problem. That's That's pretty much all I can kind of say to it. I'm kind of with Matt on it's like you got three first you got three first rounders and you're not so sure about the depth of the draft. Just you just like dish out at least one of those for somebody that's gonna fit in that's gonna add experience or fit into the system relatively well and then you'll still have two first rounders left to like dig in to dig in with them. Yeah, and Dan, do I have to mention to you the Boston Bruins? Fair point. Three picks in a row and passed on Barzell. I mean, they got Ross. And, um, it's true. A whole slew of them. Konechny. But that's that's my point. The Bruins hit on DeBrusque. The other two could bust, and yeah, it does. Like it would have helped if they hit on two of them, but hitting on the one and missing out on the two, you're still hitting on that first round pick. Whereas yeah, you're going to... I agree. You're going to have... DeBrusque, uh, one of those three, or... But then, I mean, you're a big uh, percentages guy, as we mentioned last week. Is the if you're saying you have a chance to hit, you have a thirty-three percent chance with each pick. Is basically what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. Versus, you have to hit on the one pick that you have. If you start missing on picks, that's when teams start to go downhill. Look at the Rangers recently. I attribute that to not hitting on many picks from 2014 and 2015. Yeah, I'll agree with that, but does one pick then really change it when you know you're going to get... Say you trade... Say you trade oh, with no, trading for assets is different. That's totally and get, different. And you get Garakoff, and you know he's a second-pair defenseman, and you're fine with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that, and then taking my one-out-of-two shot and getting Sanderson... Absolutely, you can take more of a risk at that point. It's kind of like what I used for the example what the Dallas Cowboys did. They wanted to draft a wide receiver a few years ago in a draft that wasn't wide receiver heavy. They sent a first-rounder over to Oakland and took Amari Cooper because they got an established first-round pick wide receiver. If Amari Cooper were in that draft class, he would have been a first-round pick. So they essentially spent their first-round pick on Amari Cooper. Yep. The Dallas could do the exact same thing, spending their first-round pick on a top-four defenseman. That's already established. You know what you're getting. You're not taking as much of a risk. And with the other two picks, go for it. Because essentially you're drafting a guy who you know is already top four versus a guy who's projected top two. Yep. Uh, no, I 100% agree. Exactly enough, the draft that they could have taken the first uh, wide receiver and the Cowboys like missed out on a bunch of really good wide receivers that this past year were like all rookies. But they really kind of whiffed on that one. But instead, they got, like you said, they did get someone that was established. Cooper's definitely established, and that's why sometimes you take the established player over the, uh, like the young, the mystery box, so to speak. But yeah, it's I, I don't know. I like I'd rather. I mean, in their case, it's kind of weird because obviously they can just keep loading up on first rounders until the end of time. But how good is that going to be when they can't like come to fruition? 
like eventually they have to take the next step. And they tried to do it, I think, this past year when they traded for Subban, when they signed Gusev and all that, but they didn't. It backfired on them. But they got to figure at some point that they got to keep, like, putting the pedal to metal with, like, they already sold off a bunch of their assets. They got to keep, like, trading again to, like, get established players, not just trade for, like, more assets. So if, I guess, kind of, like, segueing a little bit, because you're talking about, like, trading for assets and also being able to draft established players, in terms of taking risks with players that you know can or can't, what about the Flyers with Nolan Patrick? Do the Flyers try to trade Nolan Patrick? Or if you think that you're a team who thinks that they can get something out of him when he's not injured, do you potentially give up a first-round pick for that kind of guy and sign him because you know he's an RFA and only 21 years old? Because you're drafting somebody that you know also, again, has potential, kind of somewhat established, though. Is that something, if you have three first-round picks, you can think about? I mean, I I feel like if I were the Flyers, which is gross, but if I were the Flyers, um, I would probably consider like entertaining the thought of trading him because the guys hadn't even played this year. He's like he doesn't fit the system. I mean, it, before a lot of people were doubting the fact that he already got injured in his draft year. He had like a history of getting uh, being like frail. I mean, he's a great player, but when you have an injury history and you're not even, like, in your 20s yet, it's not a good sign. So, unfortunately, in a flyer system, he doesn't pan out. Maybe in, a, like, a different system where he doesn't have to play such a physical game, he might be able to develop better. I mean, like you said, he's only 21, so I feel like someone else should take a flyer on him or, like, yeah, basically try and uh, do something. But I don't know who all is going to be, like, that would do that. I feel like a team that's kind yes. of... Cat- well, I don't know if the Flyers would trade him right to Jersey. Like, he'd have, he might have to do, like, another step. Like, when Hoffman got traded from uh, it was Ottawa to San Jose and then San Jose to the Panthers. You also have to yeah. consider the fact how well they've done without him. So, now that, yeah, you, exactly. and then now that we think about that, a possible trade is almost, honestly, <laughs> more than likely. <laughs> And ironically, this is Philly, the same city that had the Folds versus Wentz conundrum of a couple of years ago. So. <clears throat> That's tough stuff, you know. Okay, well, actually, one thing before, um, yep. not really before, I guess we can kind of segue into another conversation. We haven't touched upon your caps just yet. And you guys are kind of tied up with money quite a bit. With a guy named Ilya Samsonov who's going to need to get paid, I'm assuming. Um, one, what's your personal stance with Holtby being a UFA? And two, assuming that he's going to need to get locked up for a decent chunk of money and a couple other guys that you're going to eventually going to have to start paying, what do you do here? Well, for one, it, stink- it obviously it stinks that he's a UFA. But considering what the market is for goalies and sort of how we kind of has been this year, I don't anticipate I don't anticipate us resigning him and I anticipate us moving through with Samsonov. Samsonov. 
All right. So how much do you sign Samson off for? And then how? just to ask, a, I know it's going to be an interesting question. Um, there's a guy by the name of Alex Ovechkin who is probably going to still be producing um, in 2021 at age 35, 36, whatever it's going to be. Does he get re-signed? Yes, you re-signed him. Do you think he takes a team-friendly deal to maintain being a Russian spy in the nation's capital? <laughs> well, it's possible. But I would... Uh, I would... It's possible, but I would honestly anticipate him giving getting a raise because, you know, because he... What is it? He signed his contract in 2008, and back then, nine... Nine and a half million dollars a year was at the time the richest deal in league history, and now you look at everything else now. I mean, does he get more than? Yeah, you can factor in his age, but just like look at his production and just the way he's a generational talent, like how much. And you also have to think about how much longer he keeps on going. I wouldn't personally. I would expect personally. I would expect them to throw ten mil, probably ten mil on him, maybe maybe more. I mean, I don't know how much age is going to be in effect but this will be <clears throat> this will be a very large gamble more than anything like regardless of what transpires from money and also years because if it's like you think if you think he's going to try to break the record then they'll probably sign him to something for 5 years and then say he say he well, if you say his production drops off after three years, which I don't think will happen, but imagine if it did after that or two, then it would sort of look like a bad deal. But no, nah, the the team will have to create quite some space to sign him because he is still shown at this age that he is he will be leading this team until he retires and or whenever he just whenever he starts declining. So I guess from an outside perspective, Matt and Andy, I mean, I don't really have an opinion on it because I don't know enough about who, I guess, where the Caps kind of lie in terms of Ovi. Because I know it's very emotional for a Caps fan to kind of see Ovi go without retiring as a Cap. We already, I mean, we already resigned Nicholas Backstrom, so you'd imagine that, mm -hmm. like, I think, I think what happened was that Literally earlier this year, we picked to sign Nicholas Backstrom over Braden Holby because we were going to sign one of our we we're going to sign one of our best centers. We we're going to want to sign one of our best centers, like all all the money instead of a goalie that was relatively inconsistent this season. Yeah, and um, just to add on that, I think honestly. If Alex Ovechkin is going to not play for the like, Washington Capitals, he's going back to Russia. Like, really? Yes. Really? You really think he's going to play for another? You imagine Alex Ovechkin suiting up for the New Jersey Devils? Like, give me a break. You know, I've actually said, I've said it a long time ago that if there was a situation where he played for any other NHL team, it'd be Montreal. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm sure there is one or two teams that he would play for. But I just think he'd go back to Russia and just pick it up. There, some. It's all. It's also definitely been hinted at it a lot. Now, 
I mean, well, now with the rumors, uh, now with the rumors going around of the NHL potentially returning to the Olympics for 2022 and 26, that could play a factor, but it probably won't, anyways. But oh, sort of NHL is not coming back, going to the Olympics. Always going back to Russia for that year. Yeah, hundred percent, ten percent sure. Yeah, if that was the case, <laughs> I would, I'd believe you. I mean, a lot of people. Look, this is the same guy who we all thought was gonna jump was going to sort of find his way there in 2018 anyways. <laughs> I mean, worked out kind of all right in the end. I mean, he could have gotten a gold medal in the Stanley Cup, but I, I think he, I think this is one, I guess this is one time where he really doesn't mind it at the end of the day. He uh, got his cup, and it's really what he's striving for all the time. I specifically remember a time when he had to ask a question about which, in 2009, would you rather have a gold medal or Stanley Cup? And he joked, someone asked him that is, and he jokingly said both. But then he actually, now that I think about it, he might have said Stanley Cup, but I cannot entirely confirm. But one thing I can certainly confirm is that we have a nice little uh, fiery left life lesson uh, on this week up on the dock. That's right. Uh, folks, if I've taught you anything, it's this. Now that we are in the thick of summer and we are looking towards going to other friends' houses for parties or just going to people's houses for parties, make sure that, one, you know whose house you're going to because you might think you're going to a friend of a friend's and you realize the friend of a friend is really like a couple of generations removed where you find out that this person that you're going to, you have no idea who they are, and you and your group of friends, maybe one person out of five of you knows a couple people there. You think, okay, well might go ahead and uh, settle from this. But while you're there, you see the fireworks are starting to be going off as it is as it was just uh, 4th of July this past week. And one of your friends decides to start playing around with a couple of cherry bombs and M80s. Make sure that, too, your friend gets the uh, explosives out of his hand before they start to go off because last thing you want to have is an explosion where your friend becomes the next Jason Pierre-Paul. So folks, make sure that you know which part you're going to and your friend doesn't have the hamburger helper on his hand. That joke is something that just never gets old. It works every time. I want to know, like, how bad was this, like, party that you almost went to? Like, Honestly, it was, it was definitely weird. Um, when I was originally in Hershey and we went down to Middletown, which is like 25, 20, 25 minutes away. And really the whole time I was thinking, oh, we're going to go to Hummelstown, which is only the next town over. But we passed those signs. We passed the signs to another town. And then we got to Middletown. And I thought, well, this is going to be not ideal. I'll just say that we'll, uh, I definitely learned my lesson as far as Next time, I'm driving. Always got to take the wheel. Yeah. I'll stay sober at least to get us to the point. And then once we get to our crashing point or the um, – once we get to our point where we're done for the night, then I'll just catch up with everyone else. That's always why I like driving more. So, Well, fellas, I think I'll wrap things up on this uh, fine week. Uh, we, of course, hope you had a very tremendous uh, Fourth of July weekend. And we cannot wait. Uh, see y'all next week. Peace. Later, later. Yeah.